0: Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited but I've just come into possession of a cure for insomnia. (music)
1: Welcome to the Good Trash genre cast where a bunch of guys gather around a table. We talk about the movies that ordinarily you'd never see in a film studies course. And we're actually probably going to be still talking about movies you'll not talk about in a film studies course at least for the next 20 years or so. But we're doing a little anti-trash. So there will be no Diehards. There will be no Gremlins or Ghostbusters uh, this month. We'll be looking at artsy, fartsy films. And we're going to be doing some analysis. But we're going to do kind of that genre adjacent or popular culture kind of zeitgeist kind of movies uh, and this week we're looking at a little film called only god forgives it's the follow-up to the great drive uh starring the gauze and also uh directed by nicholas winding Reffin. but before we do that We've got to do some introductions. So starting across the table, the man who is so cool, he is Miles Davis, if you would, sir. <laughs> That's good. My name is Don Stewart, and
0: uh, if peeing your pants is cool, I'm Miles Davis. It's cool to pee
2: in your pants. Stay here as long as you can. Share your shit.
3: You
0: filthy boy. (laughs) You disgusting boy. You want me to cut it off?
1: (laughs) And moving on to the uh, frequent um, bottom of the uh, gender transformation wait list, if you would, sir.
0: I am Arthur Gordon, and I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And finally... like Alan Rickman in Dogma.
1: The stormtrooper who figured out those were the droids he was looking for, if you could, sir.
3: Uh, hi, I'm um, uh, Kale Masters. I went to the Stormtrooper School for shooting, and uh, apparently they taught us to miss our targets by mm. um, about five feet each way, always. And uh, we, you want to know why? It's because we went for, to Bangkok for training. Is that what happens? That's It'll what do happened it. for the Stormtroopers. I
1: do all my like karaoke in Thai. So where to eat? You like Thai? Hi, good. You like shirt? My name's Dustin Sells, and I'm so glad to be with you all. Thank you all uh, for introducing yourselves. We're going to talk about a movie called Only God Forgives. We need to have a synopsis. I don't know if a synopsis is necessary, because um, I don't know if there's plot holes or the plot itself is a hole.
0: We'll find out.
1: Um, The voice of the cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. Julian,
0: a drug smuggler thriving in Bangkok's criminal underworld, sees his life get even more complicated when his mother compels him to find and kill... Whoever is responsible for his brother's recent death.
1: Thank you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, Nicholas, Winding Refn, and or Ryan Gosling have mommy issues. So let's just do what we do. Now, this is an analysis show, not a review show. So there will be spoilers later. But what we're going to do right now is going to give a quick review like you might read in uh, a newspaper or in an online web journal. Because, yeah, who reads newspapers anymore? Am I right? So we're going to do that very quickly, avoiding spoilers, and then once we move from that, after our quick thumbs up, thumbs down, we'll get into our analysis, and dear listener, if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to. It ends in karaoke. That's actually a spoiler, but it doesn't help you at all. (laughs) I think we could tell them exactly what happens in this movie, and it wouldn't help them. It wouldn't, no. It, It would be absolutely no help. So let's begin with our reviews. I begin
3: to my left, Mr. Caleb Masters, if you would, sir. Okay, guys, well, this is a thumbs down. Uh, this is a, a movie that has a lot of really interesting things going for. There are a lot of really interesting ideas uh, in place. Cinematography is different, however. I really like it. It's beautiful. Um, whether it's effective or not, well, it's a different story. Um, acting, oh yeah, I love the guys, but is it effective? Yeah, I don't know. It, there's a lot of things in this movie that are really cool. Uh, the use of color is brilliant. Um, I, I, it was a stunning visually. It was a stunning movie. It was a very visceral movie. But when it was all said and done. This just didn't seem like a very good movie, I'll be honest. I I didn't feel like it was coherent. I I didn't feel like it made a lot of sense. And I think these two have made much better movies together.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. Thank you for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart,
2: what say you? Why do you guys do this to me? I got really excited. You picked it! I got really excited. (laughs) I thought to myself, this good trash, rather anti-trash anti-trash is a great idea the good trash genre cast needs anti-trash pumped into its its veins and what better way to get us started than looking at one finishing our 2013 year in review by looking at some some quote artistic films that came out this year now granted I knew going in Only God Forgives was not well received however I like a lot of things that are not well received I really like the other films of Nicholas Winning Reffin that I've seen uh, those being Drive and Bronson um, his two most uh, Western, or I, I should say, uh, American, English-speaking friendly, I should say, uh, after the Pusher trilogy, um, and not counting uh, Valhalla Rising, which, you know, I don't think really has any speaking of any kind, so anybody can watch it. Six lines. There you go. So I went into this optimistic, and I thought I'd like it, probably. And as I got started, I thought, okay, I can see why people didn't like this, but I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it, it wasn't okay. Um, I like things about this film. That fight scene. Oh my god, that fight scene. Wow. Wowie, wowie, wow. That's that's something else. Really, it's one of the the most uh, amazing, realistic. You know, very bleak and realistic fight scenes I think I've ever seen. Uh, I really love. Uh, the use of color, again, bringing in his neon lighting from Drive, I think it, it really, I mean, because from the word go, literally go, which is the first line of this film, uh, this film feels very seedy. Uh, you feel you are a part of this uh, criminal underworld in Bangkok. Um, is it more of the glossy grit that we saw in Maniac? Would you say that's fair? Parts, parts. I, I'd, yeah, say, I was, I'd say we get an even mix. Or rather, I'd say we get both. If not, you know, probably not an even mix, but I'd say we get a little bit of both. Uh, but, yeah, he does... I, Glossy Grit. I remember mm-hmm. us talking about that in Maniac. Uh, that, you know, we mentioned that was something we liked about Drive when discussing Maniac. And I think he does bring that here, uh, you know, a couple thousand miles to the uh, east. But... Uh, west, I guess, if we're coming from California, which is where try took place. Anyway, I really wanted to like it. I really did. And I, as Caleb said, there were things about it that I like. The sound mixing really stuck out, which is not mm-hmm. something I, I pick up on yeah. very often. But man, really good in this.
1: Well, thank you for that very reserved and uh, you know, uh, candy-coated opinion. Dalton Stewart, we appreciate that. I
2: started with the things I liked. Mr. Arthur. Hey, hey you know what? <laughs> what? At least it didn't have a voiceover.
0: There is that. There is that. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you, sir? You guys are hitting on the right thing. I mean, there are parts... The parts are greater than the whole here. Mm-hmm. The cinematography and the music and the scoring, I think, are all phenomenal. The sound mixing, mm-hmm. I didn't catch it till tonight, uh, as much, but in that last little sequence with the mom where, you know, her voice is farther away and the camera's not on her. And those yeah. types of things are really, really spot on. My and, sound uh, system. You're is welcome. That, does that hit the 2.1 stereo mix? <laughs> 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 uh, regardless, I... I knew what I was getting myself into, and I wasn't a big fan of All Rising*. Not because it's a bad movie, but it's not my type of movie. Um, And this one, more than probably any film we've done outside of Days of Heaven, is is Art House Cinema 101. Mm -hmm. The the cutting, the (laughs) lack of dialogue, the pacing, um, the colors, the way it's shot, everything about it, it just screams Art House, whether it's good or not as an Art House film. I, I don't really know that I can make that judgment based off I haven't seen that much r house cinema. But I think it's just a very polarizing film and when his initial reaction at Cannes, I think, proved that mm-hmm. when half the people booed it and half the people stood up and applauded it. And watching it again tonight, that last sequence, there are things that definitely stuck out to me again uh, that prove this worthy of discussion. And I think there is something here. But I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence on this one, I think. And so... You know what? Two two thumbs, I don't even know where. I don't know where they're going. One's ones in the woods, sideways. Can you say they're out? And one's in the ground, like up, maybe oh, pointing uh, to the west. I don't know. I,
2: I go two and a half uh, out of five. I mean, ah, That's what she said. I, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, I mean, I was inflammatory for sure. Uh, yeah. But I, I like as much of this film as I hate. And don't get me wrong, the things I hate about this film... I loathe because yeah. it's so artsy. It's just like, look how artsy we're. Yeah, playing. I, I yeah. was actually I, I, I forgot to I, I, in
3: my review I was going to mention that. Like this movie at various times is like, hey, look, we're art house. Check us I out. I don't like.
2: Check I don't like pretension on principle. Look at our imagery. But that the being imagery. said, there are things. The imagery is is phenomenal yeah, it's beautiful and mm-hmm. very evocative. In uh...
0: there's there is about a ten to fifteen second shot of Gosling after he's got the crap kicked out of him oh, it he's fantastic. all bloody he's just in this golden light in a corner and we're on this for 15-20 seconds probably and it's a beautiful photography mm-hmm. beautiful photography of an awful thing but all of these pieces I don't think come together and form a greater whole so Mr.
2: Dustin Sells I, I, I going in I suspected you would like this Let's say you sir I do I like I, it I knew you
1: would I, I do because I don't I don't love it yeah, okay. I would say it's, it, it's not. Uh, I, I enjoy when the art house is applied to a genre.
2: Sorry,
1: <laughs> it's now in my house. Uh, I enjoy when art house, uh, and again, art house is kind of this big catch-all term because art house can simply, you know, uh, mean a, a Kurosawa film. Which is very much a classical Hollywood film in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of them. uh, Especially like The Hidden Fortress, which was uh, what Star Wars ended up being based on. So, art house can mean subtitles. And then there's another side of art house that sort of means experimental. mm -hmm. And, and, And then there's this other side of art house that sort of generally means anything that seems French, no matter what language it is. Well said. Yeah, I, you know, and and so it is. You know, the the plots are strange, and the lightings are different, and there's uniqueness and and some innovation and whatnot that's working there. And that that's that's kind of what art house I think tends to mean.
0: Yeah, just to clarify on that point, I don't refer to independent cinema as art house. No, because they're not the same. And a lot of, of people do. Uh, I've I've heard Shakespeare and Love called art house, Whoa. and it is the farthest thing from art house. Whoa! It is classical Hollywood. I tear my robe book. at the blasphemy. Who who, who says? This? I read it in. Something one time uh, People are dumb So yeah So yeah. That, Dumb people actually Are who say that There we go yeah,
3: There we go yeah. But Continue on uh,
1: So But what I like Is when That sort of I guess that French sense and 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 I really don't like having to say that you know i yeah. I, I think often of the line in seven Psychopaths what well, is this a French movie yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 sort of that idea that we're doing something yeah. different we're we're playing around narrative, we don't have to necessarily have cause and effect, and those sort of things that work in the film, and we are going to really put a lot of emphasis on set design and uh on just the uh, overall production design of the film. I, I love the wallpaper. And the colorings, I, I really enjoy the understated performances. I like the lack of dialogue. I like that they tell the story with the pictures, what story there is. Um, and I like it when that's all combined with genre. I think that's fun. This is, this is basically, and this is what I said in my review on Letterboxd, uh, I don't, Suspiria is a movie, I think, of that's similar to this. Where the plot and the logic don't matter so much. It's basically a slasher movie, but trying to make the prettiest pictures they can. Whilst making a slasher movie, so we're gonna move on now, and we're gonna go and do some analysis now. We're gonna break this thing apart and see what we can do. Uh, Is is it only is it a black hole that it always sucks all light away, or is there some substance, even though it's not necessarily narrative substance, because clearly it's lean in that category and uh, we'll discuss what we can find therein. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what
0: say you, sir? I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance because I feel like my analysis took a very Only God Forgives route and that I don't know that it's as uh, coherent as I had originally intended. When I set to write. So, if so you're it, only just, you know, you're just it gets weird, I apologize. <laughs> um, um, I believe this movie is full of spiritual symbolism, and there is definitely a reading there. I feel this movie is very layered and ripe for discussion, but I understand why it received poor reviews. There are two interesting things to take away from Only God Forgives. The first is the film's commentary on violence. I believe it can be looked at culturally and cinematically. The other thing to take away is how the violence that Julian inflicts is based out of his repressed sexual activity. What little information we can gather about Julian's character is very interesting. He has a very questionable relationship with his mother. He can't seem to properly perform in relationships due to the relationship with his mother, and he shows a moral code and a mercy and a grace that is completely absent from the rest of the family members that we meet of his. Uh, we also know that Julian is not opposed to breaking the law or getting his hands dirty. Uh, he runs a fight club, and he also runs drugs, deals drugs, makes drugs, I'm not quite sure. Drugs are involved. I don't think
2: anyone's sure.
0: Both of these avenues seem to be a cathartic release for Julian, uh, with one area of his life being repressed, he begins to act out to try and receive fulfillment in the other areas, with the main area of repression being in the bedroom. We see this repression played out literally on screen as he is bound or repressed by a woman and then forced to watch her partake in a sexual act. In this moment of repression, the sequence is cut so that it appears Julian is having a vision of a man's arm being chopped off during the climax of his bondage arousal, thus tying these themes of sex and ultraviolence together for the rest of the film. This sets the groundwork for the rest of the film and becomes even more questionable as Julian's mother enters the picture. In fact, the entire plot of the film is based out of violent sexual act wherein Julian's brother rapes and murders a, a young prostitute. This begins the cycle of violence within the film. This rape leads to the murder of Julian's brother by the girl's father. The father is then attacked, eventually murdered, and so on. The only person of interest who don't die are Chang, Mi, Mai, however you pronounce her name, Chang's daughter. Is I it, think it's it's Mai. Is it Mai? Not May. May. Definitely May. not May. It's Mai. Okay. Mom says May. Mom is me. Me, Mei my moon. Me, May, my And possibly Julian, whose own fate we are left to yeah, maybe please. decipher from the karaoke song sang at the end of the film, which we have. Too had bad I
2: don't speak Thai.
0: Yeah, that might change the entire prerogative of the film. <laughs> the fact that Julian shows mercy at several key moments is important highlighting the dichotomy between Chang and Julian as well as the dichotomy between Chang and Julian's mother Uh, Julian's mother and Chang are very similar at least their end games are both want to deal out seemingly never-ceasing punishment Uh, their intentions are what separate them Chang acts out of a moral code or a law while Julian's mother acts purely out of protection and vengeance when she asks Gosling to one more time protect her uh, essentially accusing Julian of Killing his father in a means of protection from for his mother, mm-hmm. or to stop some which sort may have of been the case. I mean, you don't know. Yeah, and then again, once she asks him to kill Chang, this one last time, will you do this for me? And so we see that Chang's stance makes for an interesting pairing with the drug dealer Julian. In fact, their relationship is very similar to the relationship we see between Harry and Ray and Ken from In Bruges. Harry and Chang are nearly identical characters in their motivations. Traits of both Ray and Ken can be found in Julian's character. My reading of that film also applies here, I believe. Chang is seemingly the titular god to which the movie is referring. And Julian seems to be taking on the Satan role, or just merely a flawed human being, who is trying to fight God, such as the biblical Jacob or even Job. Uh. The cycle of violence that is started by Julian's family can only be ended by Chang. Julian can't seem to stop it, because other normal beings keep continuing it. Chang never tells the father of the girl that he should kill Julian's brother. Is it impri- implied? Certainly. Yet those words never leave his lips. He lets the human father choose his own path. It is his decision to choose forgiveness for revenge. And in this universe, it seems that only Chang has the finality to forgive. Thank you very much for
1: that. I, I, I think that's good stuff. I, and I, I think that issue of forgiveness itself and cycles of unforgiveness and vengeance and, and 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 really what what the problem is with most of the world is somebody got hit last and they got to hit back one more time. And around and around we go. So I think you're onto something, uh, absolutely there. And there's definitely some commentary at work, uh, Mr. Caleb Masters. What analysis
3: bring you, sir? Well, uh, I had to dig a little bit on this one. There's a lot of random ideas scattered for this movie, and I kind of kind of jump on it. But I, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about. Be Careful when you stare into the
2: abyss, for the abyss stares also back. That is the rabbit hole of analysis. With only God
3: forgive. <laughs> Amen to that, one, <laughs> it's brother. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at the relationship between Julian and his mother uh, Billy and his mother and Julian and Billy uh, and going to talk a little bit about birthing order and how it impacts the psychology of the, <laughs> the psychology <laughs> of the psychology <laughs> how it impacts the psychology of all three of these characters uh, and how ultimately this, fe- this feeds into the demise and destruction of all of them uh, including Julian because I think we can all agree that even if Julian um, isn't dead by the end he is psychologically um, distraught and not there
0: anymore I think he's been psycho- psychologically I mean you could argue the whole time but. <laughs> I think yeah. brother's had problems for a minute well I think mean, yeah, he had problems for a I'm saying probably Put pre- the pink
3: yeah so n- now uh, Billy uh, this is Julian's o- older brother so he is the oldest and he's mommy's favorite um And Julian is the youngest, but he is the one... I mean, we we never get a good look at Billy's in a, uh, relationship with his mother from his perspective, but it seems like Julian uh, wants to have a close place with his mother, like Billy did. Now, I feel like, this is totally reading into it, I wonder if Billy didn't actually like his mom as much as she said he did. I don't I, know. I, I mean, we don't know. But mom surely liked him, She though. really liked her some Billy, a whole lot. Well, at least part of Billy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that dinner conversation. That's it, it awful. Was, yeah, that was terrible. Um, so basically, uh, you have... It looks like Mom's giving all her attention to Billy, which means Julian is out on his own, constantly, constantly seeking Mom's approval, despite the fact that she doesn't really love him, and he's never going to have that approval that Billy had. Right. Um, so the movie is kind of him exploring how can I win that approval, and... Um, and because he's psychologically distraught, I don't think he ever figures out that he can't. Because even up into the final moments of the movie, he's when he's reaching into her dead womb, uh, he's still he, you know he's yeah reaching, you heard him he's, right he's, that's what she, that's what he does. This he movie ends with Ryan Gosling
1: shoving his hand and grabbing her uterus. Yeah, that's We're the all trying movie. to
2: get back on the mommy elevator. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> well, John Travolta said it best, right? You spend nine
3: months trying to get out, the rest of your life trying to get back in. So what you're looking at is a story of uh, <laughs> a, a, a son's sought for approval that he'll never give. So it's a kind of a tragedy here. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. Yeah, you now, if I remember correctly at the reference, he killed his own father, right? Yes. He killed his father because his mom told him to. She didn't tell Billy to. She told him to, right? So, again, this this guy is, uh, he's got a thing, These has got mommy issues. And the movie deals with the sexual repression, and that's that's where he lashes out on other people. Um, it's why you don't ever see him actually get close to any other, really close to any other women. And I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that whole bondage thing was with him watching the prostitute. Yeah. More on that later. Oh, that's yeah. just sexy. Uh, <laughs> <I like>, what? <well, laughs> I get all these sexual ties <laughs> that, I, that go back to some Freudianism, and then there's that one scene. I'm just like, I don't even know, guys. Uh, so, I, it's it's pretty pretty light analysis, but that's kind of what I have. This movie is all. Joy and Ryan Gosling trying to win mommy's approval up and ends up getting him killed and sucked down a black void which we will never we will never return. Thy truer words
1: were
2: never said. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What analysis bring you? So I've talked a lot about masculinity on this show before. I think uh, gender is in, in general a, a field of sociology. gender studies is a field of sociology that I find very interesting. Um, in particular, uh, masculinity as a is portrayed in the general culture. This, uh, Dustin, you, you spoke a lot about hegemony uh, a couple of weeks ago. Would you would you give the listener a, a catch up real fast? Hegemony is
1: the idea that everything is the way it is because it's the way it's supposed to be. It's it's where the powerful elites make sure that the culture never changes.
2: So there is this uh, idea that comes up a lot in uh, some soci- gender uh, sociology of gender called hegemonic masculinity. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of this is-, is tied to the idea that masculinity is inherently violent. Um, there is a really great uh, sociologist by the name of Michael S. Kimmel who's written a lot about uh, masculinity and-, and how it functions in society. Uh, and a lot of that writing is that it functions negatively in society. Uh, hegemonic The the hegemonic ideal of masculinity is not conducive to living in a civilized society. And again, this is not to say that men are not conducive to society. That is to say, the way our culture tells men they're supposed to be is not conducive to a civilized society. And we see that time and again and only God forgives and this this conversation with hegemonic masculinity is all over only God forgives and that is one of the things I actually really like about this film we see it uh, when Chang is speaking with his daughter by the way Uh, It took me halfway through this film to figure out the the police officer's character. His name was Chang. But then I just kept thinking about community and Changnesia. I really (laughs) fell down that rabbit hole for a while. Uh, And it became a different movie. But anyway, (laughs) he he asks his daughter, and it's not even really clear what they're talking about. But he asks his daughter what what someone should do. And she says, well, why can't they just all walk away and be nice and friendly? And, And he says, well, that's just not an option then how do you know that they're not going to do something? You know, basically laying the groundwork for the entire driving action of this film, which is, only God forgives. Violence must be returned in kind. This idea that uh, with masculinity comes an expectation to be violent. It's something that Julian has put on him by his mother from the time she shows up in the film to the time he's, uh, you know, elbow deep in her hoo-ha. Anyway, uh, (laughs) and that is the cycle we see in this film and, and, and I think it is something that, that Refin, uh communicates I'm not sure how well he does it uh, through this use of these hand shots is Gosling looking at his hands as these instrumentations uh, of hegemonic masculinity and, and him, him struggling with struggling with that wrestling with that and, and whether or not that's who he wants to be uh, he continues to choose to be that but, but there is this question of whether or not he, he wants to be that person and, and I think that's something that's very interesting here uh, and, and Only God Forgives is these cycles of violence this, this expectation to be violent uh, it's something that really struck me and again we, we talk about Chang offering uh, to the uh, the father of the girl that Billy murdered um, you know, I'm going to leave you alone it's your call what, you're, what are you going to do well, of course he kills him, because that is what the expectation is to do. Now, why, why does Chang be like, oh, what did you do that for? I didn't tell you to do that, and then cut his hand off. Fuck Chang. That is the stupidest character that has ever been in a film. I, I hate that character so much. I detest it. So obnoxious. Hate that character. No, makes zero sense. Not a lick. Not a... But anyway... Maybe as some sort of arbiter of good... No, because he's an asshole. He's not even this arbiter of morality. He's just a douche, and I don't... <sighs> Sorry. Got back. Got off track. Let me get back on track. Again, more of that, you know, sugar-coated, you know, very reserved... Oh, judgment you know, that I'm so known for. Provisional court sort of review. You get, Which is yeah. what I'm, you know, really known for is my, my moderate opinion, my very moderate opinion. Um, but Chang does represent this specter of violence. And, and violence as as a cultural uh, constant, and that is, and, and I think Gosling here represents this this desire to break away from that that again the hegemonic ideal of what masculinity means. So, uh, as we've all talked about, it's very easy to get lost in the rival of only God forgives. But that was my lifeline throughout was uh, looking at uh, its depiction of violence and how that relates to uh, the expectations we have for men. One final note, uh, that I forgot to mention in my review, uh, is there a better way to vilify Kristen Scott Thomas without her, uh, like, let's just have a scene where she violates all language taboos and uses every slur that you're not supposed to say, right? Let's just have her, you know, just go down the list of sexual and racial, uh, things that somebody can say that you're not supposed to say, cause that'll make it really clear that she's a real bitch. And that, won't that be fun? so obnoxious so obnoxious show don't tell me jesus well thank you i you know i <laughs> I, I
1: think you may be the only person who's guilty of uh, accusing this film of being a more tell than show though with no more lines than it has in it well that's a problem with the one thing i mean the one character is the female character the, the
2: right? one the one character who has a lot of lines has a lot of shitty lines yeah that's true to to be very blunt about it is she's she is a very poorly with in a film full of poorly drawn characters. She's the most cru, She's the most clearly drawn and also the most crudely drawn. And, and the reason why she's most drawn, um,
1: I think, and it comes back into some of my review. Did you guys happen to notice to whom the film is dedicated? Some guy, Alejandro Jodorowsky, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, 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 a former surrealist, actually member sort of, of a surrealist association with André Breton. I mean, one of the few people who have any kind of connection to historical surrealism ever. Uh, they were part of this whole Panicay movement. Him and this other guy called Arbal. Like
2: Dogma 95.
1: It, it was a thing. I mean, he's Chilean by way of uh, Germany. I know, right? Weird. But he made these surrealistic films. Uh, several of them uh, I have the entire collection of. One of them is Santa Sangre. Santa Sangre <laughs> is this movie uh, uh, that's basically sort of a Hitchcock thriller... Uh, with uh, a lot of a, a lot more deeply connected surrealism in it. And I mentioned uh, Suspiria, which is this sort of surreal version, dream logic version of the slasher. And, and really what I want to talk about with this particular film is how it is absolutely a love letter to the surrealist movement uh, and also to this particular one of the last living um, surrealists, if you could call, and that's of course a debatable thing, uh, Jordan Walski. And so you have all the surrealist tropes. First of all, you have an entire Oedipal complex, Working, kills his father, obviously humping his mama. And uh, that's all connected there. It's the entire edit the story. Mm-hmm. So that's all there. The violence of the eyeballs, of course, the great moment in all Surrealist film is that very first scene in Nunshin Andalu with the razor blade is drawn across Tanai. And so you have violence against eyeballs. But you also have throughout the film one of the great themes of all Some is this sort of frustrated desire where you want to do something but you are prevented from acting upon it, and that's exactly what uh, Gaza's character has. He's he's tied down in a chair. Yeah. Uh, she's getting pleasure, he's not. All uh, later on in the, the 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 weird you know room two thirty seven scene uh, there is the, this the action that's happening where he's involved in her receiving pleasure, but he's not receiving any himself also so it's still this kind of frustrated desire that is uh, consistently at work in the film the dream logic where one scene leading to the next scene does not necessarily make sense it's calling back much of Argento's surrealistico which was this sort of Italian version of surrealism which meant lots of funny colored lights and him and Mario Bava did tons of that uh, all over uh, their films which were trying to you know kind of uh, evoke surrealism without necessarily being part of the movement and so you have all of these surreal quotations, you have all of these moments where um, these references are being made, and of course this great dedication to Woski. and then the sound design itself, it sounds like Angelo Bandolamente, you know, that, that kind of slow pulsing synth that's working in the background, and just that very deep kind of bassy sound design. It, it's, it's a love letter to all those little pieces, and finally, Santa Sangre, Woski's film that I talked about a moment ago, the mother has her hands cut off, and the son acts as her hands, commit Murder in her stead in that film. Really? Yeah, that's very interesting. And so it, 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 it's, it's this big kind of thank you for influence and uh, uh, just you know you're my hero and I'm looking up to well, you. that's really cool. Sort of moment. And, and also so,
2: you said deep and pulsing.
1: Well, you know, there's a little bit of that going to on. to describe
2: the music, which I think is, you know, also reason those are weirdly that because
1: yeah. that's what Surrealism's all about, right? Uh, 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 always. <laughs> well, not all about,
2: but there's no, no, that's what it's all about.
1: But there's also this sort of anarchic impulse that those who have authority and power uh, fundamentally abuse said power. Mother figure is abusing her power uh, about her son, and we have the cop figure Chang also abusing the power and this sort of anarchic impulse that's part of surrealism that's that's a fundamental uh connection to the plot what little plot that we have in the film and so i I think maybe part of the pass that i give it and part of the uh, joy i receive from the film is not just because of my knowledge of surrealism i know a little bit about that i don't know what art house cinema is but i know something about that but it's also because it seems to me this is one of those love letter movies where Refn is having an opportunity to say, I love you, Alejandro Jodorowsky, and I love surrealism. Uh, that was obviously Jodorowsky's major fount from which he drank, and I want to say something about that and kind of do it my way and do basically a Bruce Lee movie a la Dario Argento through the filter of Alejandro Jodorowsky, with a lot of Boomwell mixed in, and I think that's kind of fun. So um, I dug that about it, and I think those references kind of deepen the conversation I think that's going on in the film.
0: The other thing about arthouse cinema, as we have been referring to it tonight, is it typically quotes many other films. Godard quotes every film noir film that came before him. Hitchcock quotes all these German expressionist type things and so I think that's also something to keep in mind if you're trying to um, translate and or understand an art house film that you may or may not come across.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, it it it's it's a discursive kind of cinema. When what that means is having a conversation with other movies, and so half the fun is the other movies you're thinking about, you know, when you watch it. And so it, it it's a thing where, when you were a kid and you stayed up a little bit late, and your parents had the great friends come over, the uncles and the cousins have all gone to bed, but you happen to still be awake, and the the uncles are all talking about life and politics and marriage and movies and philosophy or whatever it is they talk about and you're hearing this and you know it's interesting but you really don't know what's going on that's sort of what they're experiencing there right mm-hmm. and I think that's that's, that's, some, that's sometimes the experience all Man, that's a
2: spot on analogy That's ooh, I like that a lot
1: and as you get older or more experienced and you know more of the movies you would
2: oh so that's
1: the connection mm-hmm. and so we do the Pee Wee Herman thing yeah. right? connect the dots blah, 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 and it makes a little better sense Alright, gentlemen. I really like those analyses. I think this movie's got something to say. Um, We may or may not want it to uh, survive the final verdict, but clearly there's some conversation to be had. So now, gentlemen, I ask you the question of all questions. The shelf or trash? Else or instead, I ask you, Dalton Stewart.
2: Stream it. I'm not going to trash this one. Because if you're a a, a Refn fan, uh, if you're a a Refn completist, you definitely need to see this one, uh, not just because it's the most recent, uh, because I think there's a conversation with Drive and a conversation with Valhalla Rising, uh, not even having seen that movie, just knowing its reputation. Um, I would say else you should watch, again, you know, don't run out to see this one. Don't make this be your starting point for Refn or Danish film or films that take place in Thailand, or films with Thai language, or films with karaoke scenes, or films with swords, or your starting point for art house cinema, or your starting point for 2013 films, or your starting point for Ryan Gosling films. films, Yeah, or your starting point for films with shots of hands.
0: You can barbecue it, boil it, brawl it, bake it, saute it, on shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried, there's pineapple shrimp, uh, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich.
2: That's that's about it.
0: This should be, this is again yeah,
2: <laughs> pro film watchers only. Um, but I I think it's an interesting film and, and there is enough good going on that. Uh, you know uh, that's worth checking out I, I would say else you should check out Drive duh I mean what have we been talking about for a half an hour certainly not only God forgives um, if you're interested in, in watching a, a cop and a criminal kind of go head to head a much more conventional uh, film uh, you could check out is American Gangster which is a film I like quite a bit uh, a really Scott film starring uh, Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington one I, I really like a lot I didn't even revisit it actually i I'm pretty big fan of that um also i, I would recommend if, you, if you're in the mood for some southeast asian gangster fare from 2013 check out a film i watched uh, this week called drug war directed by johnny toe which is a, a really a, a fun film that i've been hearing a lot about and wanted to catch up with so i did and uh i think there's a lot of similar things about violence and duty going on here although that one was produced partially in mainland china so it's a little less transgressive but uh very good. What's of you know, there's an infinite amount of films you could pair with "Only God Forgives." Really, there there are, there are. Uh, I think
1: that's absolutely true.
3: Uh, Mr. Caleb Masters, let say you shell for trash, else or instead, uh, you know, yeah, stream it. I mean, I put, I, I you know, I marked trash originally, but there's enough, there's enough value here that it's worth watching. If you've seen Reffin's other, I mean, if you're going through the Reffin back catalog, you gotta watch this. I mean, this is most contemporary, and I think. It poses a lot of questions that those other movies don't quite get to. Um, most of the ones I've seen. So stream it for Reffin fans. Uh, stream it for, if you're trying to get more into art house stuff, I guess. But you're, you know, like you're, you're slowly weaning yourself out of the mainstream. You're good at you're digging a little deeper. This is, I guess, this is not the artiest thing. This is not French cinema, but maybe. But honestly, otherwise, though, please don't. It, it, it's it's not worth your time. I mean. For all the reasons Dalton just said, this is not worth your time. Instead, Drive, Dalton already said, uh, Psycho, i want to get into some of the mommy, daddy stuff, uh, and then it also includes Bates Motel, which I haven't finished yet, but really, that that show gets a lot more into what you know all the, all the things we thought about, what was going on between them. Yeah, that show actually does it, so mm. it's pretty fascinating in that sense, um, with uh, repressed sexuality, mothers, sons, and stuff like that. Uh, Bangkok Dangerous, why? Because it's in Bangkok. <laughs> It's a heck of a lot more fun in this movie. Best <laughs> title ever. That's so I got. Thank you, Mr. Caleb Masters. What
1: do you say, Mr. Arthur Gordon? Show for trash, else or instead?
0: I'm going to echo both of these gentlemen. I'm going to say stream it. Uh, certainly if you're... For all the reasons, I said. If you're a Revan fan, if you need to finish the catalog. If, if that's your forte, stream it. Uh, if not, steer clear, and no one will judge you. Uh, in any way for that even in
3: film circles this is not a movie
0: people are saying like, you didn't see God forgives yeah. well you gotta see it right
3: now and no one's gonna say that
0: um, I'm gonna say else instead whatever route you go uh, you watched Dread from 2012 we got similar aesthetic choices uh, with the lighting the staging uh, Dread is more accessible and more enjoyable I'd also say last week's film Terminator 2 and a film we did a couple weeks ago in Bruges the um, law, and then law. I'd also say Tarantino's Ouvre. We're going to be already here. The entirety thereof. Yeah. I choose all these films because they're all having this conversation about violence in film and violence in society. And I think that is something that Only God forgives is hitting on, but I don't think its argument is fully formed, coherent, or well realized. Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Thank you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Dustin Sells. I, I'm frankly with bated breath. I want to know. Shelf for Trash Elstern instead.
1: Uh, you know, really, this movie... Let, let, let me say this. My review, I, I referenced, I name-dropped, like, nobody's business, a bunch of stuff. And I talked about a bunch of references. If you were listening to that review and you knew what I was analysis. Doing, analysis, when Analysis. was. It's an
2: important distinction.
1: It is an important distinction. When I was, when I was doing that analysis... As I name drop these films, or at least the uh, the visuals, if those things made sense to you, dear listener, as you heard them, this is a movie you need to see. This is a movie you'll enjoy and appreciate because you have ventured into those surrealist waters. If not, it's probably not even a streamer. I I, I would I would actually go a step further. This is the you know Dolphin said prose only, and really it is it is a specialist. It's it's a very very. Uh, um, specialized little corner of cinema. And unless those things make sense, don't even bother watching it, let alone consider shelves or streams. Uh, So I would say for 90% of everybody, this is trash. I mean, really, this is not worth your time. You're not going to have a good time. And you're going to want your 99 minutes back. And I understand that. And so I would probably suggest seeing something else. Now, if you think, okay, but the things you're talking about, the things about surrealism and a genre film, uh, I would like to, I like to see something like that. Then check out Refn's Effort, Valhalla Rising. I think it's a great you know, example of it. very, very minimalist dialogue, very, very artistic, very, very beautifully shot. Also trying to say some things and ask some very, very interesting questions. It, it's 2001 with Vikings instead. It's, it's kind of brilliant. I dig it. Uh, also, uh, already mentioned Santa Sangre by Jordan Wosky. It's psycho, but crazier. It can happen, and uh, because it happens in a circus and there's carnival people, and there is <laughs> crazy mommy issues. and hands... <laughs> small hands can smell like cabbage. There's a lot of um, reflection upon hands. And and finally, you know, I mentioned Suspiria, but that's not actually the movie I'd probably recommend. Uh, I'd recommend a sequel. It doesn't matter if you see them in order, but Inferno by Dario Argento from 1980. Uh, it's a great movie, and it's a lot of fun, and it, the, the surrealism is a little bit more on the nose. And so you kind of know what, what is going on there. And so uh, I would recommend those films instead. And I thank you, gentlemen, for your recommendations. And I ask the dear listener to give us feedback. to. Challenge our reading and reviews. Did you love this movie and you don't know what's wrong with us? I'd like to hear that. Did you hate this movie and are you angry with us that you had to watch it because we told you last week we were going to be looking at this? Uh, We'd like to hear that as well. If you think we totally missed the boat, there is some reference that um, we somehow missed that actually the masculinity in this movie is not the point at all. It's all about this very, very sensitive femininity. I don't know how you make that argument, but please put Dalton in his place with that. I would love to hear nothing better. And we'd love to hear all of those sort of takedowns and augmentations and additions from you all via social media. Arthur, do you know anything about means of social media by which um, that conversation could continue? Well,
0: yeah. First and foremost, if you are not on any form of social media, you can email us uh, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com Email's the new snail mail. That it is. Uh, Secondly, if you are on social media, if you're on the Probably largest of all social medias. Facebook. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash good trash genre cast. We have a couple of little tidbits coming in. Um, in regards to our Bruges episode, we got some back talk. We were kind of slow for a while. We got some back talk here. Uh, on the InBruge episode, Johnny Bland says that it was a great episode over a great little movie. Uh, on Space Captains, Thank Johnny you. Bland informed... Uh, that he would choose Tim Allen as Jason Nesbitt in Galaxy Quest and <laughs> Nick time. Sanford says Whip Whitaker, played by Denzel Washington <laughs> in
2: flight and I
3: wanted to see <laughs> <laughs> those
0: are great
3: picks those are, those are great picks and I, I'm so glad is that, the, mentioned... is that the, the sober or the alcohol or the uh, well, he...
0: drug version he likes to play drunk so I mean, either one I think you're good you <laughs> give me that one that's coming up I'm Mister Idris Elba and Prometheus who uh... <laughs> on.
1: sun
2: on your
0: right I'm like what's the sun <laughs> on your right god every
2: time <laughs> I'm driving I'm like which <laughs> way am I going I think that <laughs>
1: I, I love the Galaxy Quest reference and I failed to mention way back back when in the archives when we watched Troll or best worst movie about Troll 2 that's not mm-hmm. way back in the archives it's like a ago, three like weeks <laughs> ago <laughs> it seems like forever it's, it's December, about eight though.
3: weeks I'd
1: say oh, God. <laughs> and I, I would say I think we failed to mention probably the best possible pairing which is Galaxy Quest
2: with Troll Two, with, with with best worst movie. Oh my God! Yeah, are you yeah, are you totally me? Yeah, well, yeah that is, that is through, through. Well, well, no, it's
0: it's a B movie through and through.
1: Well, it's all about fandom. It's all yeah, 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 wacky yeah. culture that gets He's formed around loving
0: something that's not good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and I just thought, man, that that is the movie for that. Thank you for that. By but... Thar's hammer, by the
3: sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you.
0: By Hammer next do you have any more feedback from the face of Facebook I do have one more thing and uh, I'll go ahead and ring it up it'll probably come up a little later and fire it up and certainly at the end of the show it'll come up again but I put it out uh, as we all know Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman passed this week uh-huh. um, tragic tragic affair um, but I put you know I put out we like to send our, our uh, condolences to the family and, and I asked our, our dear listener what are some of memorable performances for Mr. Uh, Hoffman And so uh, I started off, I mentioned his roles and his bit roles, but he still does a fine job in both Red Dragon and Moneyball. Mm -hmm. He is a highlight of those films. Uh, His performances in Doubt and Capote have always stuck with me as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, Nick Sanford mentioned Twister, Capote, Doubt, and The Master. And mentioned that. Dan is not an animal sorry I, love, I just love listening to his, his voice in that movie and he mentioned that his role in Mission Impossible 3 is underrated because he can be manipulative and Oh,
3: I think his, his role in MI3 in, in is incredible I love that he plays such a great he has so much yeah. fun in that role it's ridiculous have a
2: I the girlfriend a wife I'm gonna hurt her that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. so. um, messed up man I, I he's so awesome he's such a great actor and he's got one of the few voices I can do. God, I'm gonna miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. I really am. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Um, Randall Bays uh, replied with flawless. Tina McNeil, I think, uh, first time. No, second,
2: conference. second or third time. That's my auntie.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, she says that everything he was in was gold, and specifically gives honor to Twister, Almost Famous, Capote, and Cold Mountain, and even mentions his turn in Along Came Polly and finally Brigham Cole uh, quoted Big Lebowski and I think that is his choice and it's just really good to see some people honoring uh, this fine actor's memory outstanding I, I love
1: all of that and I you know of course um, all of our thoughts go out to Seymour uh, Hoffman's family and uh, it's a very very tough time and uh, you know if you got a loved one um, get him in a group you know then you start going to that meeting you know be the person to take the step moving on uh, Mr. Dalton
2: Stewart uh, do you have any thing you want to say about social media? If I tweet for you you'll get your mention you tell me what's trending what's on tv who your favorite celebrity is i give you five minutes when i pick up my iphone anything happens in that five minutes and i'm yours no matter what anything happens a minute on either side of that you're on your own i don't sit in while you take a selfie i don't watch the vmas i don't tumble i don't use a hashtag wow <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> clearly there's what we've already talking about so
0: far for that that is yes yeah, very impressive
2: you can find the good trash genre cast at good underscore trash on the twitter you know what's really funny is he can't use that on the drive show <laughs> that's alright It was worth Boom. it Boom We were quite the busy boys On Twitter this week uh, I should say uh, Dustin uh, tweeted us A link uh, To the show That I retweeted About how uh, Movies intended For rural America Don't get there uh, Trapped in the urban Art house uh, Films like Nebraska a Really uh, interesting article uh, not, for, art not, not art house Not art house
1: But it, that's where It gets shown
2: But yeah, yeah. But anyway um, a, a really good article From IndieWire That we retweeted um, but Caleb Vesely uh, is the MVP of Twitter this week. Well done, Caleb. K-Lub-Vesely on Twitter. First of all, began his, his week on Twitter by accosting Dustin Sells. He did a dig. Shame on you for Lone Ranger in your top five. Hey, man, Just yeah. shameful. Even questioned their friendship. Ooh, I didn't go that far. It did break my heart. <laughs> yeah, um, Calebs on you right now, man. And, and, and Dustin, you know, said, well, hey, hey, watch it again. You'll see. Uh, to which Dustin, uh, Caleb replied, this is America, Dustin. My opinion is right and yours is a well <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we ap- played. apparently he finally did get around to rewatching it and really did think the awesome reading, uh, that it was an awesome reading and that really everything he said was there. He still doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make like th- it any less boring and lazy, but uh, it's you know it's got a good message. Uh, and then prompted us with uh, the question, "What is your favorite Tarantino movie?" Uh, uh, I, I responded, uh, "You know, I, depending on the day and the, the barometric pressure and the humidity, I go back and forth between Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Inglorious Bastards." Yeah. Dustin's uh, as Long time listeners might know is uh, Jackie Brown with a, a nice uh, side of Inglorious Bastards. And Arthur really uh, kind of went back and forth with me and uh, said he'd, he'd go with Pulp Fiction or uh, Reservoir Dogs, but from a writing standpoint, uh, Dusk Till Dawn would be way up there too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good morning. Yeah, And again, one more for Caleb Besley in case he, <laughs> uh, he thought you, he, he was playing around this week. He was not playing around. He came correct. Inception's End is the closest blockbuster to end like Planet of the Apes. Silence, reveal, cut to black. By the by also on Twitter, Shane Arrington um,
1: did give me love for naming Stoker as the best picture of uh, 2013. (laughs) So thank you for that, Shane. And uh, that's really all we've got coming in from the Twitter. This hey, week. we like having a conversation with you all, and as we mentioned, there are articles that we are tweeting. There are things that we're suggesting. Um, I, I threw in a theremin, which is a musical instrument used <laughs> in the film Spellbound, about which I'm writing my thesis, where you could use it as an app at work <laughs> on your phone and annoy your coworkers.
2: The theremin also makes uh, a lot of appearances in uh, American Horror Story, Coven.
1: Oh, does it? Yeah, excellent, a lot. excellent. And so that's fun times, and we try to share more. We try to enrich your movie experience above and beyond even the movies that we happen to be looking at this current week. So by all means, follow, friend, like, whatever it is you've got to do, do it, make it happen, and it'll be fantastic. But let's move on. We've got a little game we want to play because we have a really surprising action turn from Mr. Ryan Gosling in this movie, and so we're going to talk.
2: We're
1: going to talk about surprising action turns where an actor. You didn't think belonged in an action movie, but does it anyway, and does it very, very well. And we're going to just kind of talk about actors today. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you, sir? Alright,
0: well, I'm going to go through my whole list, uh, because there are quite a few. But I'm going to give a huge honorable mention to the entire cast of Haywire. So I think that whole movie there with Soderbergh I think that was a fun experiment on its own. Uh Jennifer Lawrence coming out of Winter's Bone and being this indie darling automatically does Catching Fire and then X-Men and then she kind of follows that with some yeah. she follows that with David O Russell's uh, films and so she kind of goes back and forth there. I'd say The Young Hip Rapper from West Philadelphia born and raised uh and he uh <laughs> he, uh he becomes the king of the blockbuster through the 90s, uh, following his action turns in... Welcome to Earth! Independence Day, <laughs> and Men in Black. Thank you for that. Uh, I'd say Angelina Jolie and Jamie Lee Curtis both have some impressive action turns in the feminine side of this. Um, but finally, I think one that really struck out or stuck out to me uh, while I was at Walmart today when I was thinking of this game, I saw this four-pack of Disney movies from like the 70s or 60s. I don't even know. They were old. But there was a young... Dapper looking man on the cover by the name of Kurt Russell. And we would later know him as the star of films such as Escape from New York, The Thing, Stargate. I'm sorry, did, Tombstone? You, did you mean Kurt,
2: Snake Plissken, Give My Regards to King Tut, <laughs> Asshole, Russell? And Hell's Coming comes, With It. And Hell's Coming With It, yeah, <laughs> Kurt Russell. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that one. The Disney boy became in. Action, horror, uh, action, yeah, icon. Just, yeah, a, a genre film icon. And so I think maybe more than any of these other on my list, I think that might be a very surprising turn. He's a champ. Well played, Mr.
1: Arthur Gordon. What say you, Mr. Caleb Masters?
3: Um, you know, I just came up with another one. So <laughs> you cut, we cut out. that out. <laughs> so you get cut that out. Um, okay, I got, I got a couple. Uh, first off, let's go off, uh, off to Mr. Ruffalo, who... He's done a ton of indie movies, and then all of a sudden, hey, he's the Hulk, what's up? Awesome. Um, very. And he is an excellent Bruce Banner, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean. Whoever thought Johnny Depp, uh, playing in all these really oddball movies, would play it, turn out to be the funniest and highlight of a pirate movie? Uh, George Clooney as a mobster, and from Dusk Till Dawn. I mean, yeah, he's still kind of the confidence guy, but like. I don't know. I always yeah. thought it was kind of...
1: it was. He's far too charming to be in that role. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah, I mean, he he was a hard it ass. Yeah. He, he pulls mm-hmm. it off like
3: mash masterfully. Jim Carrey in Kick-Ass 2 this last year was a big surprise when he got cast, um, especially since seeing he's, he's more in the comedies. And it the movie is its own humor, but he's playing a superhero. I mean, come on.
1: Uh, I think that's all I got. Thank you, Mr. Caleb Masters. I appreciate that so much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what
2: picks bring you? Well, I want to I start with uh, a soon-to-be, uh, but uh, on his way to being, I should say. Uh, Chris Pratt, probably best known mm-hmm. as Andy Dwyer on Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. but uh, been a working actor for years, uh, played a Navy SEAL in Zero Dark Thirty, mm-hmm. and uh, very famously uh, tweeted some pictures of himself getting jacked for it. He was ripped, and uh, then got fat, and then got ripped again. Uh, for uh, this summer's Guardians of the Galaxy which I'm really excited about and I think he's got that right blend of uh, good sense of humor uh, on screen presence and uh, general charisma that I think is really going to make him a standout action star Uh, I want to talk about just the cast of Christopher Nolan movies, specifically the Dark Knight movies and Inception, but really not a single person in any of those movies belongs in an action film, and yet they all are I'm going to just run down the list Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio Christian Bale Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Ken Watanabe. These are not people who should be in action films. Oh, sorry, one more: Liam Neeson before taking. But yeah, just really the the entire cast of the Dark Knight trilogy, um, and, and uh, Inception. I mean, none of these people you'd ever would think of being action films. And uh, right there are, you know, four of the uh, highest-grossing, most critically acclaimed action blockbusters of all time. So, really interesting turns from all those people. Uh, the creme de la creme of unexpected action heroes, somebody who made an entire career out of it, Bruce Willis. Yeah. You know, begins his career on The honeymoon, or is really not no, known for anything in the way of action. And then Die Hard changes the world, and suddenly we want every man action heroes. And, you know, he's been made a career of it for the last 30 years. And finally, uh, one Th- Ted Theodore Logan, Keanu Reeves, right, uh, and not The Matrix, although that's what immediately Popped in your mind. But Speed, Speed, huh? yeah, Speed. Speed. I mean, he he went from Die Hard in a bus, yeah. He mm-hmm. went from uh, Bill and Ted to Die Hard on a bus to one of the best films ever made by man, uh, The Matrix. Well, by man and Trans Man. Well, there's uh, <laughs> aliens make some of them, but yeah, you're right. No, aliens don't make any. Aliens make great movies. Lies. We just watched one tonight. <laughs> that's yeah. angry. well, all, all, I mean, just look at the names. All Danish people are aliens. <laughs> but those are my picks for uh, surprising uh, action heroes. Excellent. Justin Sells, what, what, what came to mind for you? I, I had a couple. Of, uh, the first one that
1: came to mind for me was Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. We've already mentioned How Kurt you, Russell. And they Uncle Barry? And they're, they're, that's a fantastic turn. Uh, where he is able to be this kind of sadistic, cool southern gentleman, and uh, yeah it's pretty outstanding, and the uh, twirling of a uh, empty whiskey cup is awesome. It is I mean, some business. It is one of the best things of ever of all time. Um, also, I gotta say, Miss put me on screen for eight minutes in a Shakespeare movie, and I'll win an Oscar, Judy Den showing up playing M in all the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow. She's awesome, and she's great as a, this kind of you know stock action character playing him, and she does a really really fantastic job as M. She's the best M we've ever had, and um, I don't think there's any argument or disagreement about that. Also, I Tom Hanks, you know, he is not an action star. Saving Private Ryan, he is an action star. Like they can't even believe that man's a school teacher, and I couldn't believe it either because he's one bad dude, and I think it's pretty impressive finally, the, you know, a great female uh, action turn as well. Sigourney Weaver yeah. in Alien. I mean, holy cow. She's amazing. And what was she even known for?
2: Was that her breakout role? I don't
1: believe it was her breakout role. I mean, oh. I, I'm speaking out of school. I was thinking bit, of that as well. But I was thinking she had done some a lot of supporting acting work because yeah. she is in an acting family. Uh, she's a celebrity family and had been doing this sort of conservatory uh, sort of work. Uh, she's a Juilliard kid. So I, I, I assume that she had done other work up until and leading to this moment. So I'm speaking a little out of school as I say this, but I'm fairly certain she'd done other work, and I'm sure she wasn't in any sci-fi action things where she is kicking the tail of the Get baddest old. alien there ever was in her panties.
2: Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> That's right. Lays the smack. One of the greatest moments in cinema history, honestly. Ugh. She's good. She's very, very so good. So awesome. So, excellent, guys. That's a fun game.
1: I like, I like that we played that. And I think there's some great picks out there to be had. I would love to hear yours, dear listener, your favorite Surprising action role performance in an actor. Um, we want to hear all of that from you all um, as soon as possible via social media. Let's move on to what we always do, though. Let's conclude the show with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture.
3: I begin with you, Caleb Masters. Are you fired up? Oh, I'm fired up. I, I know I've mentioned Community last week, and I'm knee deep in the rewatch now. Season one was pretty good. It's pretty good. I wasn't drinking the Kool Aid yet, though. Season two, though, whole. Holy shit, people! This show is as brilliant as everyone's telling me. I'm talking like episode by episode. It's a different genre, and it's so self-aware, and so smart, and so full of freaking pop culture references from everything from TV to comic books to anime to everything. And it is there's a claymation episode followed by like a like an episode Who Done Episode. I mean, it was just it was. It was nuts season oh my two gosh is fantastic. season 2 I'm not quite finished I've got like 4 or 5 episodes left but every episode I'm just like I can't wait to see what's coming next it's only a half an hour but I'm like oh my gosh I can't wait to see what they're gonna do in the next episode even though it's not really a overarching show I mean there's but anyway, so I'm drinking the Kool-Aid now, people, and uh, I know I talked about it last week, but I am really fired up about this show this week, and I can't wait to see season three, then season four, it not exist, and then watch the current season. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's that, uh, and the Lego Movie is hitting theaters this weekend, and my, my inner like six-year-old to nine-year-old to twelve-year-old—it's
2: actually getting some really positive early buzz, and I learned something today that has me fired up—that it's cre- it's directed and written by the creators of Clone High. Which was an awesome show on MTV uh, animated uh, series about uh, a high school full of clones of
3: famous people with historical figures.
1: Let's not be mistaken, though. You say six-year-old, nine-year-old,
3: twelve-year-old. You know it's appealing to now-year-old. You know, yeah. no. Well, it's all of them. It's the inner and, and the, the. But I also now, you're right. If I had Legos in front of me, I would still play with them. Totally. There's do. no. There's no no But but it, it comes out of my it, one of my favorite childhood hobbies, which was i never Legos. not playing with Legos. And uh, and by the way, you mentioned the directors. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. But they also directed uh, Twenty One Jump Street mm-hmm. uh, and Cloud with the Chance of Meatballs, which I also thought was really underrated. Um, so. It's in good hands. It looks Yeah, It's getting super positive buzz. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a great family movie. And a movie that I, I, I haven't been as excited about an anime movie since Toy Story 3. So Makes me wish I had some kids. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and that is what
1: has me fired up this week. Dest. Thank you, Mr. Caleb Masters. I ask you now, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you, sir?
0: You know what? I will just hop on that Lego train because I am super... Super excited about what's going to be happening. Hey, I was sold with the initial trailers, mm-hmm. but what guaranteed that I will be in a theater tomorrow watching this film mm-hmm. is when I found out that Will Arnett is playing Batman, <laughs> and I, I illusions I'm Alfred <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Who's, who's illusions Al- Alfred? He's an awesome guy. Told you I to make it the, told Bang. You Bang. it the first time. Bang. time. Bang. Ha, first try. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, I don't know that I've been more excited about a movie in a while. Yeah. Um, Secondly, uh, me and Mr. Masters, we went and saw Monument Men uh, last night. The new uh, George Clooney ensemble historical piece from the writing team that gave us Argo. Fine movie. You know what? It's it's solid fare. It's what you'd expect it to be. I enjoyed it a lot. I laughed a lot. And so, yeah, you know what? There are some pacing issues. There are some tone issues. But it's about what you could expect. If you don't go in with higher expectations than what you think that ensemble piece would be, you're, you're good. Uh, They're and tone issues, just
2: like my business time.
0: <laughs> Some other just random movie and pop culture news. Evangeline Lilly is uh, being eyed as the possible female lead uh, for Ant-Man. And I can't say that I'm upset by that. No. Um, and that, just She's to great. harken back to our game, Paul Rudd will, may soon be one of those guys that does the action thing? Might be in the next time we do this game. Uh, the next thing is uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Breaking Bad writer Sam Catlin are adapting the comic series Preacher for a run on AMC. Ooh. That is breaking news today. Uh, and finally, wow. I am getting more and more excited about the Grand Budapest Hotel opening in March. I didn't from need director I, Wes Anderson. That trailer does not need to tell you it's a Wes Anderson film. No. <laughs> no. So that's what's got to be fired up. I'm excellent,
1: excited. excellent. Thank you for those things, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart.
2: Uh, I got a couple. Uh, this week I picked up uh, Saga, Volume 1, which is the uh, comic book series follow-up, Brian K. Vaughn's follow-up to his comic series, Why the Last Man, which is uh, one of my, oh, just a great series. Love it to pieces. Uh, Saga, I'm very excited about it, is uh, his space opera, uh, his self-declared space opera. So I'm pretty excited to read that. I haven't started it yet. Um, finally caught up with Much Ado About Nothing, uh, oh. Joss Sweden's 2013 outing, or 2012 outing, uh, produced while he was dealing with the Avengers. A lot of fun. Cute. I, I mean, it, it just reminds you why the Bard is still talked about, you know, 600 years later, uh, 500 years later. And, Billy uh, could write... Billy could write, and there's no more natural teaming than him and Joss. I mean, really, two, two wordsmiths separated by several hundred years that really just have a, a knack for human interaction and, and dialogue. Uh, finally, I, I want to talk about uh, comic books again. Uh, Marvel announced uh, a few weeks ago, I want to say, that uh, the new Miss Marvel would be a young Muslim woman from New Jersey uh, in the relaunch of, of Miss Marvel. Well, That the, the was comic, controversial. Well, the comic book came out, and the final panel... Has her turning into Miss Marvel, and when she turns into Miss Marvel, she's a blonde white woman. Aww. Looks like Carol Danvers. Looks like Carol Danvers. Wow. wow. So Way to tr- drop the ball. Wow. wow. And Marvel? again, yeah. final panel, so you don't know what they're gonna do with that, but really not a good panel to end that nope. first issue. No. 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 <laughs> wow. Hey Marvel? Hey Marvel <laughs> Shut the door. Have a seat. Dustin, let's get you fired up in pop culture.
1: I'm fired up uh, about uh, just, just a very, very, very few things uh, this week. Uh, the, the first thing is I'm, I'm really fired up lately about rock and roll documentaries, which is a strange thing, or music documentaries in specific. I, I, I caught about a month ago, a month and a half ago, Muscle Shoals at the uh, Oklahoma City Museum of Art, which is a documentary about a town in Alabama called Muscle Shoals in which um, much uh, great music... You know, people you may have heard of, Aretha Franklin, Who's Leonard that? Skinner. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. The Rolling Stones. A few. A few bands went down yeah. this very very, very, very small town way down in Alabama. Free bird. And, uh, well, not that song. Um, but, <laughs> and, and recorded music. I mean, in, in fact, there's a line in Sweet Home, Alabama by Skinner where it says, in Muscle Shoals, they got the Swampers. And that was the name of the backup band. Um, I Then I caught a movie called Sound City. Uh, which is Dave Grohl's movie uh, about a a recording studio in Los Angeles. Why don't you just go find the soundboard? (laughs) Right. And everybody played there. Uh, Nirvana. I mean, just everybody. It's great. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, etc. And it's also very, very fun. And then on the Hulu, I happened to catch uh, The Blues According to Lightning Hawkins, which is a film made by Les Blank uh, of garlic is as good as Ten Mothers
2: fame. And it is fantastic talk about good art house films Man. garlic is as good as Tin mothers is some business dude it is <laughs> good, so good stuff I love that's it that's good stuff it is, it is. It is. and that also available on the Hulu yeah. Plus uh, currently that's a film you need to watch while cooking
1: though yeah, yeah. Well, well you want to go cook immediately yeah. after watching if you that film is watch good fellas
2: that's like a 30 minute yeah that's, that movie is exactly as long as it needs to be yeah Oh, that's awesome. It's good times. Good
1: the Blue Scoring and Lightning Hopkins is about the same length. Uh, it's actually a, a, a compilation of a couple Lightning Hopkins bits, uh, but it, it's it's really, really solid, and I, I love it very much. And you know, you need some more rock and roll documentaries in your life. Uh, Gimme Shelter is on the list. Uh, I haven't actually ever caught it, and i got to watch Spinal Tap again, because, you know, there's one knot that goes to 11. Crank it. <laughs> and so, it's what you got to do. So that's what's got me fired up this week in Pop Culture. I'm so glad you guys are oh so fired up this week. So let's talk about what we're going to look at next week, dear listener. Next week, we are going to be looking at a uh, foreign film uh, set in Southeast Asia all over again. But it's going to be a bit of a documentary. But it's an art film documentary, Art Trash, nominated this year for a, an Academy Award for Best Documentary. We're going to be looking at The Act of Killing. It's going to be weird. So excited. I've been looking forward yeah. to this film And surrealism, man. May or may not come up Ooh. again.
2: So, we're, once again, we took our, our break from uh, documentaries up Docu December, but we're back in the pool,
1: and so we're going to be looking at that next week. We want you to take a chance to look at that and uh, let us know what you think. And again, it's just you'll know something about this category that usually they say list the best documentaries. You go, what's that? Is That's that? when you
0: get up and make some popcorn. Take this,
1: right? And this time you'll care a little bit, perhaps at least yeah. about one of the horses in the race. Or Fish.
0: It's pretty exciting because Netflix has four of the documentary nominees streaming right now, and that's pretty interesting. Let's hear know. the list, Arthur. Cutie uh, and the Boxer. Cutie and the Boxer. The Square. The Act of Killing. And Dirty War.
2: Correct. I think it's what it's called. And mm-hmm. there's one more, but that's not It's straight. not a Those are the stream. four that are streaming. Yeah. There's one more that's not streaming. Which is kind of outstanding. Yeah. So
1: um, you can totally be knowledgeable about that category now, and then you can walk out during the short bits, unless you go to the Oklahoma City Museum of Art and catch all of those there yeah which we yeah need to do totally so until next time dear listener we thank you so much for listening again we want to give our condolences to the family of philip seymour hoffman and we give our outro to him this week in dedication this is for you phil what do you do i do many many things i am a writer a doctor a nuclear
0: physicist a theoretical philosopher but above all, I am a man. Hopelessly inquisitive man,
3: just like you. What happened to you? Ruben, I'm in a situation here. We have to leave now. Well no, can we stay a couple more minutes? But dude, no. This is serious. I just shorted. I don't know what that means. I tried to fart and all shit came oh. out. I just shorted. But right, now let's go. Right, because we are uncool. You no, know, while women will always
0: be a problem for guys like us. Most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine.
1: Their art never lasts. And they get the girls.
0: Who are smarter. You've got it in your head that I corrupted this child after giving him wine, and nothing I say will change that. That's right. But this has nothing to do with the wine, not really. You've had
1: a
3: fundamental mistrust of me before this incident. It was you that warned Sister James to be on the
0: lookout, wasn't it? That's true. So you admit it? Certainly. Why? I know people. Yeah, I don't want to go 15 rounds, Billy. The lineup card is mine. That's all. Okay, line card is definitely yours. I'm just saying you can't start paying it first. Well. I am starting my first. I don't think so. You placed the Detroit now. The promises were made. Not by me. I've been with the company for 24 years. I was posted in Greece for 15. Papandreou wins that election if I don't help the junta take him prisoner. I've advised and armed the Hellenic army. I've neutralized champions of communism. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish, which should come in handy here in Virginia. And I'm never ever sick at sea. So I want to know why I'm not going to be your Helsinki station chief. Of course. And about this time, this guy running this uh, congressional campaign a few districts over gives me a call. And he says, I really like what you're able to do for poor old Sam. But let's face it, he's a corner. Why don't you come work for me? What did I do? Well, Stephen, this is where you and I are different. I told Sam about the call. And Sam says to me, Paul... If you think this other guy's got a chance at winning and he can pay you more than anything I can afford, and if it's what you feel you need to do, then I won't get in your way. And I say, Sam, you took a chance on me and hired me when I was even more of a nobody than you are. So I'd be damned if I'm going to jump ship just because the shit hits the fan.
1: This is probably not the best marriage I've ever seen of genre, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, sort of that art house aesthetic. Yeah. *Suspiria* would be a better
2: example. *Drive* would be a better example. Very much so. Uh,
1: *Drive* well, *Drive* doesn't quite get to that point,
0: I don't think. Drive's I'd a lot say, more commercial. Well, it is. I'd say *Spring Breakers*. Oh, *Spring that's Breakers*. Long. Yeah, I, yeah. *Spring yeah. Breakers* would be a closer comparison. The, the thing
2: I like about *Drive*, though, and, and I, obviously you can't help but talk about *Drive*. When sure, yeah. about this because they're very. I mean, they're they are almost spiritual sequels.
0: Yeah. yeah, they really are. Uh, they're very related. Yes. Yeah.
2: I think, I say Drive because, yes, it is much more commercial, but I feel like it rides that line very finely, because the, yet, although it feels more commercial, the general public uh, doesn't really care for Drive that much. Mm-hmm. Film nerds really like it, yeah. uh, and the members of the general public that go, that watch a lot of movies really like it, but people who go to the movie, you know, once every three months, yeah. don't really like Drive. Um, Drive is a, is a good film, though, and I feel like it does marry those things very well mm-hmm. without being a slave to either one.
1: It's fair enough. And again, going back to my Letterboxd review, if you don't like Drive, and I think it's what Arthur said in his review, if you don't like Drive, this is not for you. Oh, you're going to hate it. And, and I would say even further, if you don't like Suspiria or don't know what that means, Stay then away. you should go someplace else. This is <laughs> this is not for you. Now, I love Ball wow. Hall Rising. I think it's fantastic. I like Valhalla Rising quite a lot more than this film. Mm-hmm. It it is 2001 with Vikings, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, this is not a jumping off
2: point for no. Refin or art house cinema, yeah, or, no. or, or or really anything. This 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 is this is like advanced level stuff. Don't don't start here. Really. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, and, and my my thought is that Drive is a movie that. I don't know Drives well Drives that has a plot that moves yeah well there's that but I mean that that movie was always a movie that felt while while being more commercial and more mainstream always felt arty but like more naturally this movie feels like it's almost forced uh, at least for me on time it's like check this out guys we're art house we're drive it just was I don't know uh, you guys can feel free to disagree with me on that. But that movie was one, like, uh, the thing i like, go back and watch it seventh or eighth time. I'm like, yeah, the things that really stick out with the cinematography and the way they they, they set things at some shots up and the and the way they use imagery seems more natural and in flow with the movie they're making versus this movie where I feel like they're going out of their way to make sure you get the point that they're trying to get across. I don't know. That's just my, my, my take, though. In my, and I'm not an
1: expert on this, but in my understanding, it seems to me Drive is more of a... A uh, fairly standard action movie. Where's the deluxe version? With less lines. It was a deluxe, I like that. It, with, with less lines, and so it's more, it's more visual than that. So there's, there's one little artistic thing there. And the other thing is that they just put a lot more effort in the actual photography and production design. I'm, but other than that, it's pretty much, I think, very, very mainstream. Well,
2: the thing that I'm thinking of is the thing that this film does very obnoxiously is... Uh a thing that is quote very French when, when you think of art film as Dustin said a French film regardless of the language uh, we have, we're a tight shot on Dustin's face and then we we cut to uh, a t- tight shot of Dustin's face in the kitchen cut to Arthur in a field of wheat yeah. cut to Caleb uh, submerged in a swimming pool and then Dalton dancing with a clown I was, I was actually going to say that <laughs> and, and Drive does that but it does it <clears throat> coherently it does it with purpose. It doesn't do it to do it, and I feel like,
3: and it feels like it. it I don't think the help, juxtaposition it, it, cuts. It, it, it from helps there, the, 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 the the overall narrative feels like it's moved forward because of that. Whereas with this movie, it's just like, here it is, guys, look at it. Uh.
2: I, it's been you know it's it, it's been a minute since I've seen Drive, but I, I recall them that being something that really struck me the first it, time I saw it. I've, the
1: juxtaposition cuts seem to be from scene to scene, though, and then the scene is cut in continuity to the next scene. So I don't. I don't think it really has that artist. The, that and that's
2: that what art. I was saying, though: is yeah. it cuts within continuity, but still has
0: that, it that has flavor. That mm-hmm. What the heck is happening, thing right now? But it keeps in line with the narrative, and it's similar to what Malik did with Days of Heaven, where we have this very art house style of I'm going to show you wheat fields for two minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this has a purpose for the narrative, or even Sean Penn's Into the Wild. We see similar. Uh, photography things happening sure. and I think that's what's happening in Drive I think Dalton's hidden I think there was a very smooth integration of yeah. these art house techniques that we're what well, we're calling art house techniques the thing that Godard is doing the thing that Truffaut is doing and I think that's what Dalton's trying to I,
2: I think yeah I just I figured out how to put words to it. even in Days of Heaven which is a film that you'll call I'm not wild about but I, I still like things about and uh, in Drive and in Into the Wild the art uh, serves the characters, it serves the story, right? It serves yeah. the narrative. The point it is, serves, it serves the theme, it serves the tone, right? And something like "Only God Forgives" or uh, you know a, any parody of art film, all of those things I just mentioned serve the art, correct? And the artist, and so that, that's where my categories would come in. So I would
1: say that "Only God Forgives" is an art house film, but I would say "Days of Heaven," "Into the Wild." And uh, uh, Drive are yeah. highest middle brow, perhaps, but they're just commercial films.
2: And I, I, I oh, would say a strong word. I, I would say just because something is cohesive doesn't mean it's commercial. But yes, I think we agree on that.
0: I think. Sorry. No, go ahead. My last, my last on this. I think the other thing that we're forgetting about Drive is that it's got Ryan Gosling in it, mm-hmm. and that completely that changes difference. the way we ref- we keep referring to it as a commercial. Film, But if you put anybody in there that's not Ryan Gosling, who is a hot up-and-comer at the time this movie comes out, that people want to go see, I think you have a completely different film. Absolutely. At least yeah. a different view of the film. And so I think that would change the discussion we're having right now, even.
1: Well, two things you'll learn, dear listener, from the conversation we've had so far is this term, art house, is a bit more slippery, uh, which is part of what I wanted to say you know, in the review. Because, yeah. I mean, this is something that applies. And also, we clearly need to do a drive show at some point because we kind of love that movie and we oh, yeah. we, we, it's
0: kind of oh, hard yeah. for us to avoid talking about <laughs> well, cast it. Is, just got it on Blu-ray. So. This is the time, this is like the time we uh, talked about, uh, or we analyzed the innkeepers, but we talked about uh, the House of the Devil the House for about of Devil 30 the minutes. Because yeah. we, yeah. we liked it more. <laughs>